This is the Old Trailblazer broadcast. This is Pastor Albert Pendarvis, the Old Trailblazer, riding out on old Dan. Come on, Dan, let's go. Got to get up. Got to get a getting. And uh, I want to take just a moment before we get into the study uh, to tell you folks who have written and called and emailed me that you're listening to a certain station here and there and yonder, and I appreciate that greatly, more than you will ever know. And uh, I appreciate every one of you who have sent gifts here to help us stay on the air. And I ask you also, if you're able, help us continue. Uh, the, I would I will tell you this is mostly mostly we are supported by small gifts. It's not great great humongous gifts that come here from from uh, rich folks and all that. No, it's nickel and dime always nickel and dime here at the Old Trailblazer broadcast. And I praise the Lord for it. But we're bringing you these studies now on the uh, this subject blood redemption. And then today at this time we're looking at blood upon the altar there in the garden. And we saw there in our last study, we found a garden of Eden, in the garden of Eden, an altar. When God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden, he established an altar there on the east side of that garden, a meeting place between God and man. Guarding that altar were cherubims. We don't know how many, it doesn't say. And those, uh, between those cherubims was a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the path of the tree of life. In Genesis 3.24, we see it means that God dwelt at the east of the garden and between the cherubims and the Shekinah, that is, a fire tongue or a fire sword, to guard the way to the tree of life. And this is clearly brought out in Genesis 4.3. We touched on that in our last study. It says, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. That is, he brought his offering to some particular place, where the Lord manifested himself. This truth is also expressed in Genesis 4, 16, which says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Then in Genesis 4, 4, we read, And Abel also brought of the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. The fat thereof indicates that there was an altar there, which the sacrifice should be offered upon, which the fat, which the fat should be burned upon. Therefore, we have this picture, a place of worship. Oh, my friend, when Jehovah expelled man from the garden, he established a mercy seat at the east of the garden, protected there by the cherubims, the fire sword. And uh, here, here man come to worship. When Adam and Eve learned and taught their children. They came to worship as they approached the mercy seat. There is that, uh, there is just... A sin-hating God was manifested there at the altar between the cherubims. We see this picture again in the bush. When God appeared to Moses as a consuming fire, we see him again as he appeared between the cherubims in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, and in the temple. I want to call your attention to another fact. Here at the east of the garden, he appeared between the cherubims, or angels if you want to call it that, as a sword which indicates a just and sin-hating God. Let me tell you something, friend. Just, just take a moment. Let's, let's slow down just a moment. Let's, 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 let's listen. God hates sin. You listening to the old trailblazer? God hates your sin. God hates my sin. Sin put our blessed Lord to death. Can you imagine? Can you understand why God hates sin? Because it caused the death of his only begotten son. The Lord Jesus Christ took our place there on Calvary to atone for the sins 
our sins, yours and mine. Now, uh, let's look. You put that down. God loves a sinner, but God hates sin. Unless you are separated from your sin, you cannot come into the presence of God. And I tell my folks here that very often, that sin cannot enter. Sin cannot enter into the presence of God. And I had a gentleman write me the other day and said that I made a statement that God does not love everybody. Well, right here we see that God hates sin. Are you a sinner? God hates sin in you, my friend. And if you'll never repent, if you'll never take the blame, if you'll never come confessing your sin, the Lord will have to uh, let you go. You know the Lord doesn't send anybody to hell. You send yourself there by not coming to Christ. Do you know you have an opportunity right now, right at this moment, to come to Christ, confessing your sin? I don't say that he'll save you immediately, but if you come there to him, he'll begin to deal with your heart and give you grace to, uh, to see, my friend. But listen, listen, and unless you are separated from your sin, you cannot come into the presence of God. Now, I tell you, like the old farmer did, drive a pig down there, a stake, and hold it. These fellas now who I, whom I hear go spurting around here thinking they're smart and they can get to God any way they want to and come to Christ whenever they want to, they just don't know who they are and who God is and how a sinner gets saved. I tell you, without equivocation, you, you can't come to Christ unless he calls you. The Scripture says no man can come. And you've you got these uh, uh, 90-day wonders now. Well, you can come to God anytime you want. No, you can't. I guarantee you, you cannot, my friend. You can't do it. You can't do it. First of all, let me reiterate what I often tell you. The Lord doesn't owe you anything. Well, we've got some sort of an impression now that God just loves everybody. He loves, he loves, no, no. He loves those who come to him in repentance. He loves those who come to him taking all the blame. My friend, just go back in your Bible and read how many of them went to hell. And then you tell me that God loves everybody? I, I was making a message or getting a message ready for a time and uh, in, in the future, and I was studying there in the, in the children of the, of the Hebrew children who came out of Egypt. Some say it was six million, some say five. It doesn't matter how many it was. But they came there into the wilderness after they crossed the Red Sea, and they murmured, and they complained, and they griped, and whatever. And the Scripture says that not one of them that was 21 years old, 20 years old, when they left Egypt, not one of those devils went into the Canaan land. Not one of them. They died and went to hell. That's right. You know why? Because they doubted, and they mumbled, and they complained, and they griped, and they would not have the Lord to rule over them. They, they complained about Moses. Remember Korah? Old Korah, one of our... Uh, missionaries here, uh, speakers brought a message the other night about old Korah. And one of the things that always interested me in the, in the life of Korah there, he and his 250 princes, they said, oh, Moses, you, you take too much on yourself. You just, you just think you're too smart. You think you know everything. No, Moses didn't do that. Moses was the humblest man, the meekest man that ever lived. But they come there disagreeing with his leadership and I want to tell you something, one thing, my friend, uh, everywhere you go, if you have a God-called pastor, you better honor that man. I'm not talking about, no, I'm just talking about honoring him, honoring him for his, for his ministry and his message, because the Bible says, touch not God's anointed. You know what Korah did? He touched God's anointed. He didn't lay hands on him. He didn't put his hands on him. No, no. 
but he questioned his leadership. And Moses, Moses, under the leadership of the Lord God of heaven, told, told Korah uh, to stand back. Told all those folks, stand back. The Lord's going to do a new thing. But my friend, just think about, just think about it. Now, this man thinks that God loves everybody. You think the Lord loved those 250 princes? And the thing that struck me about that scene was that the Bible says everything that appertained to Korah and this bunch of group, this bunch of men, everything that appertained to him, my friend, family and friends and loved ones, those who were in rebellion with him, ever, ever camel, ever goat, ever chicken, ever, ever, whatever, if it appertained his wife and his children, they all went down to a devil's hell. Now you can ramp and rave and fuss at me if you want to, but my friend, just take take God's word. You remember the story of old Achan? Achan went out there and when they when they. Uh, Went to Jericho, and Moses told him, don't take one thing out of that place. And Achan, he carried some silver and some goodly garments and whatever gold and carried it to his tent and buried it. And they found out about it because they were defeated in their next battle to Ai over there. And Moses, Moses, and I mean, the, the uh, leader there called him in, Joshua. Joshua and uh, he finally confessed. But what happened? What happened? They stoned him to death outside the camp. And his wife and his family and his cats and his dogs and his chickens and his gooses and his geese, whatever he had, they stoned it, my friend. They ridded the camp of his sin. Now, in talking to some gentlemen here this morning, earlier on today, about the crime rate that we have here in our area and all over this country, one of the problems that we have that there's no consequences. I saw where they just executed a man out in Utah that had been on death row 32 years, my friend. 32 years. Do you know what? Uh, there's, there's no justice there. I believe in swift justice, my friend. Give a, give a man every, every way they can. But 32 years? He lived on death row? No. No, and someone says, well, the death penalty is no deterrent to crime. Well, if you put one to death, he don't commit any more crimes, does he? No, he don't do that. But my friend, I know that's not our subject today, but I was just telling you what happened to, to uh, Korah and all those that appertained to him, they went out. And it just shows me and tells me that the Lord hates sin. The Lord hates sin, my friend. The Lord will not have sin. It will not come into his presence. Sin will not rule. And, and here we find that, a great expression of it. So we see here uh, how the Lord had created uh, the flaming sword, turned every way to keep the way of tree of life. Look at those words. It turned every way. If God had left some footpath unguarded, and Adam and others might have stolen in there by that footpath and made his own way to the tree of life. But whatever path or whatever way he tried, no matter how secret or how narrow or how steep or how difficult, no matter how silently he crept along there from which way he approached, it was protected by a flaming sword, and he could not get to the tree of life by his own way. Did you ever think about that? 
You know, you've read it many, many times about the, 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 the cherubims and the flaming sword. It was for the protection of the tree of life that some poor soul could not go there and eat of it and live forever. No, the Lord protected that. And my friend, there's no way, no way to get to Christ except coming by the way of repentance. That's right. That's right. Old trailblazer is going to be true to your soul. My friend, the Lord said, I am the way. I am the way. No man cometh uh, by me. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Bible says, In thy presence God is a fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures evermore, according to uh, Psalms 16:11. But the question arises, how can I come into the presence of God? Now, we're going to look at that in our next study, if you will. Holler over the back fence and tell someone... Listen in tomorrow at the same time. The old trailblazer is going to bring a message. And uh, if you would, uh, write down the call letters of this station and call me and tell me what station you're listening to. And then I ask you, if you will, help me a little bit with the broadcast, if you possibly can, and pray for me. Let me give you my mailing address. It's Radio Missions or the Old Trailblazer, Post Office Box 1810, Walker, Louisiana, 70785. But go there and look at my website. I'll give that to you in our next study on a, a little, little slower. It's radiomissions.org. But would you do this for me? Would you pray for me? And then ask the other folks to listen in. Just you be, my, you be my representative out there. Ask folks to tune in. Remember the old trailblazer, Post Office Box 1810, Walker, Louisiana, 70785. May God bless you. Goodbye.